indecent exposure. You were convicted of indecent exposure for the third time. That's exactly what it is there, Poindexter. It is four counts of indecent exposure. And if you do anything right, you know, even if it comes at an epiphanal point and period in your life, later in your life, or early in your life, it really doesn't matter. Um, stand on the right side of history. And the marked difference between people who quietly disappear and people who perhaps, you know, I, I, you know, I haven't faced this myself, obviously, because I'm still alive and talking to you. Um, myself, my own personal choice, and it is a personal choice, I want to stand on the right side of history. Welcome, my indecent legions of new music addicts, to episode number 33 of Indecent Exposure. I am your host, the mongrel, every bit as indecent on the inside as I am on the out. Now, you may be wondering, looking at the, the phrase political rock and roll, what the hell have I signed up for with this episode? Is the mongrel going to try and push some current event lessons on us, some history lessons on us? Nah. Well, actually, yes and, and no. What I really have in store for you is the long-awaited conversation with Kevin Connolly, lyricist and lead singer of the Iron Age Mystics, a band that perfectly personifies my own pissed-offness with the system, except that they managed to channel my rage against the machina into coherent, harmonic anthems of resistance. Genuinely, ass-kicking, politically-aware rock and roll is so rare these days. You, you may feel subversive just humming the melodies once they get stuck in your head. Now, you can also go back and read my review of their latest release, Pride Before the Fall, attached to episode number 29, but you'll really get more out of hearing Connolly describe in his own words why the Iron Age Mystics have put out a collection of tracks almost guaranteed to put a watch order on their activities. The explanation is simple. Freedom-loving artists have a responsibility to plant their art on the right side of history. I'm going to do something kind of weird with this episode. I've never done this, but because there's a real flow to this discussion, uh, it's hard to break up, really. Uh, instead of selecting some of the most delicious quotes that my guest utters and sprinkling them throughout the show, and I should say that Connolly utters rather a lot of, of very quotable things, instead of doing that, I'm going to play the, the whole first half of my conversation with Connolly during this episode. And after you get finished with this episode, you will be plenty primed to hear more of our talk, which will be in its own separate player um, below the words uh, Iron Age Mystics about, oh, I don't know, a couple dozen lines into the show notes. And I promise you, if our discussions of the military, industrial complex, mass surveillance, and warmed-over Machiavellian manipulation that we get into during the first half of the interview gets your nads tingling. The second half of our discussion will convince you that the underground has returned and that our jams are way better than anything oozing out of the mainstream media feeds. Before we take that deep dive uh, down that particular political rabbit hole of empire and oppression, Let's get into the spirit of dissent with a track I thought about saving for later, but couldn't muster the willpower. So let's have a listen to 
save it for the revolution right here on Indecent Exposure.
Kevin Connolly, thanks so much for being on Indecent Exposure. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Kevin, it has been a wild and woolly year already, and I'm loving it. Um, and I'm loving especially the fact that I get to talk to you again, and I get to talk about about the Iron Age Mystics again. Uh, it's been a while since we've we've talked. Um, you've got some some exciting stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. We're um, we're finally releasing the first album in four pieces. Uh, digitally speaking, that is. Uh, and we're doing it uh, starting uh, February 19th, two days from now. So, That's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. So um, why don't you tell us the, the name of the album um, and how it came to be. Is this, is this um, actually, this is, um, is this Pride Before the Fall? Is that what you call this album? Or have you, are you, does each piece have its own name? Uh, each piece has its own name, but it does fall under the banner of the album being Pride Before the Fall. So, yeah, what we decided to do, uh, just to kind of distribute it out in uh, bits and bites to the, to the public, is release it under uh, what I call a four-piece digital release, uh, P-E-A-C-E, piece. Uh, so three songs, three songs, three songs, and two songs uh, at the end. Uh, and each one is, uh, every song on the album is uh, very politically inclined, very socially inclined. And to some respect, uh, rather spiritually inclined. You know, speaking of uh, of uh, you know higher, broader topics. So yeah, that's what we're doing. Well, we're definitely going to talk about higher uh, topics because I think um, it's it's almost like a um, it's almost like a like sort of a one of those fantasy you know uh, Lord of the Rings sort of stories wherein uh, just when Middle Earth needs it the most, Gandalf appears and uh, and is ready to do battle against dark forces. And that's kind of how it feels when you listen to this to this collection of tunes. It feels like you guys showed up at exactly the moment we needed you, um, spreading some truths that have to be said. Uh, give us some background on what the the inspiration was for this for this uh, this four piece. Well, looking back at it, I mean, it started off as a writing project, Jason, uh, and really nothing more than that. Uh, I had met the drummer, Greg Mount, at a mutual friend's, uh, friend of ours' wedding. Uh, and he, uh, through a little bit of chat and gossip, discovered that I was, uh, I used to be the singer for an RCA's BMG band called New Regime. Uh, so I had a name up here. And he just put it to me. He goes, look at, I'll put together a band for us. Uh, but, you know, we'll just be casual about it, writing project. And, and I'm like, yeah, cool, because I'm not really, I, at the time, I wasn't really doing all that much. Uh, so we got together again casually just to rehearse and bash out stuff live on the floor. Uh, and about the second or third month, we came up with the, uh, the, basic, the basic nuts and bolts of uh, what became the song um, uh, You've Got the Power. And it was about that time that I figured, man, I think we're really on to something here, right? So we kept, uh, you know, we, we, we started to bounce between playing live a little bit to uh, the studio. Uh, and personally, my personal epiphany was, was um, you know, just watching the scene, the global scene, the Western uh, political scene, and what was going on at the time up to now. 
my conscience really tugged on me to say, man, like, you know, you've written enough love songs in your life. Uh, <laughs> you, you really have to stay the course when it comes down to uh, staying on top of uh, social issues. Uh, so, yeah, we wound up, you know, uh, several years later and uh, a whole lot of persistence, we wound up with a fully political, uh, politicized uh, rock album. And that's, yeah, that's it. Now, it's been, it's not as if there hasn't been any uh, conscious and, and socially you know, aware music in the last 20 years or so, but it, it isn't like it, it was in the 70s and even in the 80s. Um, to a point, what do you think sort of quashed, you know, sort of put the put the muzzle on political uh, messages in popular music? Mm, good question. Good question. I mean, back in the 70s, uh, you know, it, there was this dichotomy that occurred in music where on one hand you had all this, you know, lovely uh, post-60s music where, you know, signs, signs, and little signs and you know, kind of just but very light and elevator uh, intoned, elevator music intoned. And on the other hand, uh, on the other side of the spectrum, you had uh, punk that just popped up out of nowhere, uh, heavily politicized, the Clash, uh, the Sex Pistols, and what have you. Uh, and then it was a race uh, towards uh, towards the 80s, uh, where things, new wave came along, and things became quite a bit more homogenized. Um, you know, not that there wasn't some great music written throughout all those decades, but uh, it basically everything, uh, in my opinion, one of the main culprits is, is you had to conform more and more to what was the corporate formula of how you make a music, uh, how you make a song, and how you make an, an album. And uh, that's that funnel has been getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller to this day. So, in other words, the scope of the uh, topics you can take on as a writer, uh, as a lyricist in, in, in the case of music, uh, has been getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And so the only alternative that you have uh, to that is to basically just blow off uh, the mold, blow off, blow off the, the, the pressure uh, exerted on you to become a popular, quote-unquote, popular artist. Uh, and do it because you love it, and do it because you have to, and do it because you know you got you, you've got a message or messages to, uh, to to share that might be enlightening and might be uplifting to other peoples who really really need it. You know, and so that's honestly that's that's the, the core of my incentive for making this album really uh, as things went along at all. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with with what you've said about about how things just got narrower and narrower. Um, and, and I guess, you know, that makes sense when you consider the fact that media companies have been uh, like beads of mercury. They've been sort of uh, consolidating and gobbling each other up until there are only a few, just a handful of media right. companies. And so you don't really, you know, if you don't like, if you don't like the terms over here, it's not like you're going to get a lot of, a lot of different options over there. I mean, uh, because they might even be owned by the same, same company. Um, right. Now, Things started to change, you know, a little bit um, when when this digital explosion occurred because people realized that they don't need uh, they don't need to go after a record deal with with one of the big labels. They they can 
develop their own audience um, through YouTube, through SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Reverb, in all of these places, and yeah. they can make things happen. That doesn't mean that they're going to um, be filling stadiums, you know, the way the rock uh, gods of the, the 70s and 80s did, um, but they are going to be able to reach their audience in a personal way. Um, what uh, what have you seen that's given you some hope over the last, you know, five five years or so? Specifically about the music scene itself? Yeah, about the music scene itself, because I want to talk about, about you and the Iron Age Mystics, and I really want to kind of place this in the context of, of where we are today, because I think that what's so, um, so noteworthy about what you're doing is that it is a, it's a rare bird is, is what you're doing. And so I just want to sort of get a sense of, you know, what you think, why you thought this was going to fly, you know, what gave you hope that putting out a record like this was going to be possible, that it was going to be something that people would, would latch onto. Um, Hmm. Good question. Um, well, I'll put it this way. Uh, stuff like the most rewarding experiences I've had as an artist have been when people have come to me, uh, either backstage or just, you know, through email or what have you, uh, and said, you know, I don't want to take too much of your time, but I just want to tell you that that song you wrote, whatever song, X, Y, Z, was exactly what I needed to hear at the time. Uh, and it uplifted me, and it helped me. Uh, I was going through a tough time uh, in my life, reasons, again, X, Y, Z. And, you know, keeping your goals modest, uh, Jason, as you know, as an artist uh, uh, in this day and age, you know, you talked about, you know, playing stadiums and stuff. I mean, I played stadiums and stuff, and it was great, and it was fun, and it was cool. Um, but... I guess as you get older, I guess as you evolve as an artist, your incentives uh, change if you stick with it, right? Uh, and uh, in order to properly address your question, um, I wasn't really thinking about the trajectory of how many people might uh, buy a single or might buy the entire album or might buy a T-shirt. Um, and I wasn't not thinking about it. Uh, it just wasn't core to my reasoning for wanting to make an entire political album entirely political, if you get my drift, right? I do. I do. Yeah. Hmm. Um, you know, I kind of, you know, I mean, ideally in my, in, as a part of my perfect world, you know, I, I want to go to, uh, you know, I want to go to uh, a march uh, and I want to hear, or, you know, maybe I'll, I'll see it on YouTube. You know, I don't want to hear a chorus from one of the anthems we wrote uh, being chanted in repetition by large crowds who are standing up for the rights. Right. Like that to me would be, you know, an honor beyond all honors. I would love that. Right? I'm That's not saying so it's going to happen. But... Well, hey, you know, I, I don't know why it wouldn't happen. I, you know, the very first song that I heard was was Pride Before the Fall. And it it makes you want to look for your for your mates and go uh, grab some, some signs and paint some, you know, signs and just go march and start speaking your truths to power. Um, and I think that this is exactly the the sort of uh, springboard to to the the next question that I have, which is going to get I think more to something you said earlier. Um, we're living in weird fucking times right now, okay? Just weird times, yeah. and it's almost as if 
the the psychological, the mental uh, sphere isn't enough to sort of understand what's happening. The emotional and, and what's happening these days in the world is almost too much for the emotional um, uh, devices of our psyche to to withstand. Um, and so when you say that there's almost a that there, there is a spiritual component to this to this album, I want to know why why that and how does it address the t how does spirituality address the topics that you that you touch on? Well, I think in a way, unintentionally, uh, you said a lot of what I would have said anyway. Which Sorry is, about that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, it, it's actually great because I can group it together and add my uh, little bit to it. Is that, you know, the challenge of the times, you know, keeping it, uh, I mean, if you look, you know, at the bald face of, you know, the, the, the realities of what, what's actually going on, uh, to put it generally, um, it's emotionally challenging. Uh, in fact, it's, it's, you know, beyond a bitter pill that you have to take every day, several times a day, right? And so you need something to fight back with, you know, and the spiritual component is, is um, you know, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a rock way, uh, my incentive is to provide mantras. In other words, uh, things that you can repeat to yourself or tones you can sing to yourself, you know, that when you feel overwhelmed, which God knows, we all do. We know that, right? Uh, that you can put it on and you can sing to. Or, you know, as I said, you know, potentially you can march to. Uh, and it, it, it simplifies. You know, it simplifies and streamlines uh, 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 the psyche uh, so that you can, um, you know, feel regrouped and perhaps refreshed and maybe uh, in a very, very positive way, a little thicker skin, then able to deal with... Uh, you know, I guess the quest of of creating a better world that is on all of our shoulders. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. It's 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 moving that uh, that there are that there's that there's reason that there are reasons for for hope, and a lot of those reasons come down to um, really well thought out, uh, compassionate solutions. Uh, that you have, that you're offering to your listeners. I mean, you're offering a way to, and I say compassionate quite literally, um, because you're offering your listeners a way of of absorbing some real negativity and then sort of transmogrifying it into into positive energy. So you're basically giving them a sort of a coping mechanism that isn't just for survival, but for perhaps radical transformation. Uh, yeah. And that's one of the things I want to talk about. Um, you know, some of your songs, um, they have an upbeat sound, but there's also kind of a kind of a, a pissed offness to some of them. Um, we are facing uh, totalitarianism across the globe, such as we haven't seen in a very long time. Uh, we're facing... Um, economic disparity, such as we haven't seen since the the, you know, the, the gilded age of the 19 you know, late teens through to 20s, um, and we're seeing um, acts of hatred, uh, such as we haven't seen uh, maybe ever, you know, almost yeah. almost ever. Um, what uh, what is it about 
music and and specifically Iron Age mystics that affords a listener the 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 ability to respond or react to these these ugly realities. I mean, what what does the music do? Well, I can't really speak objectively to that so much, Jason. Uh, it's really more what I hope it does. Uh, I hope that it affects people uh, to dig down and uh, not only recognize injustice, these injustices very much plural, uh, but also to stand up. Um, you know that, you know, as I as I've kind of said already, is is you know was the point and purpose and the incentive for me writing it. Uh, or, or my part of it, because it's what it is and was banned. Um, I don't know. Does that does that address your question? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it does. I mean, getting giving people, you know, the making them feel like they can stand up um, is is critical because a lot of people don't think they can, right? I mean, a lot of yep. people feel like it's hopeless, um, and, and that's why I think sometimes, while at the end of the day you have to be constructive, uh, you can start off the journey by being uh, indignant, right? By being angry. Uh, I, I think that, that you can you can definitely find um, a lot of energy to, to get you going on, on your way uh, there. Um, and specifically, you know, you've got songs like, um, you know, Save It for the Revolution, which speaks to that. You know, you're, you're, you're encouraging people to to take what's inside, right? And, and be prepared to to apply it, to, to make, to make something creative out of it. Um, give us a, cause that's, that's, you know, I can't decide between my top two or three favorite tunes on the, on the, on the release. Um, so give us a, give us a sense of, you know, how save it for the revolution, uh, ties into this, this theme. Well, I mean, you've, you've said the word anger, I think twice now. And in the age that we're in, which is rife with political correctness, uh, anger, being angry is, oh, that's a no-no. Oh, you can't be angry because, you know, that's, well, that's not part of, you know, the human emotional dialect anymore. Uh, and the problem being is, this is that you have two choices. If you're looking honestly at what's going on, you can either shut down or you can get damned angry about it. Um, anger is not it's not sufficient enough fuel uh, all by itself to, to, uh, to, to mount a cogent uh, uh, platform for social change. You need thought, you need thinkers, you need artists, you need uh, philosophers, you need, you need a whole amalgam of, of peoples to join together to make real social change happen. But anger is like a match. You know, it's the beginning. If you, it's it's the initial emotional reaction that incentivizes people to go. You know, I, I I've got to do something. I, I've got to do something. Uh, and then you dig down. You know, you go you go into your soul. Uh, perhaps you need to cast aside some um, uh, predispositions you used to have about the way you used to think about things, about how fooled you feel. You're going to feel. You know. Uh, Initially, you're going to go, oh, I can't believe I believe that person and they were lying, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right? But it's, to me, it's, it's the 
first initial step after honest recognition of how badly we've been getting screwed over. Uh, but it's not the final step. It's, it's just the match to the candle. That's 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 well said, and and I think that that's that's something that I think we're seeing a lot of today, because a lot of folks thought, um, at least here in the states, you're you know you're you're north of us in Canada, and you've got your own set of set of situations up there. Although um, there are certain ways that we're more alike than than I think a lot of people realize, um, but here in the states, um, there has been sort of a a hypnosis. Uh, there's been this sort of um, this this deep seated immature wish that things would just kind of get better, or at least not touch not touch me. You know, things will right, maybe right. things are bad for them, but they're not. You know, as long as I stay in my lane, keep my nose you know clean uh, into the grindstone. Um, Things will be all right, but I think a lot of people are discovering that that's that keeping your nose to the grindstone is and, and keeping it clean, it's just not enough anymore. And that's essentially, uh, you know, that's something that eventually, uh, hopefully sooner than later, needs to uh, reach a critical mass, which is by keeping your nose to the grindstone, by you know, uh, uh, silencing your own voice, by by subverting your own voice. Uh, and essentially what you're doing is, is you're helping the system as it is perpetuate itself exactly the way it wants to, which cuts against 99% of people's best interests. And it, you know, and, and you're completely correct in, in the entire history of man, it's never been as graphically apparent, uh, as it, uh, uh, as it is today. It's never been as graphically, uh, polarized as it is today uh, for for all peoples, you know, uh, not just a select few. So the playing itself option is, or I'm sorry, playing it safe option is is running out of time. Remember to go back and listen to part two of my conversation with Connolly via the embedded audio player in the show notes. Just look for the embedded player in the show notes under the band's name. Couple dozen lines into the into the notes. Now, you can pick up right where we left off at just about 22 minutes into that recording. So inspiring stuff, right? I mean, Kevin is like a he's like a motivational speaker for dissidents with vocal cords of steel. And there, threaded throughout the conversation, is the implied question: You see what's at stake now. What are you going to do about it? Well. The Iron Age mystics aren't going to assume that you're good at taking hints. So here they are again, asking that very question in this next track, what you gonna do about it? They're getting bolder every day now Collectivism unleashed Your rights are almost stripped away now Tyrants won't see. You know it's getting pretty grave now. They want us all on bended knee. They say that no one's more enslaved now. 
could manage to write an entire album like pride before the fall i'd be like mic drop okay where's my check that was my contribution to saving civilization i'm gonna go sit on a tropical beach now seriously though these songs are food for the rebellion against the authoritarianism that is even now spreading across the globe so yeah 
absolutely click that link in the show notes to the Iron Age Mystics website. Absolutely pick up a copy of the album. But just as importantly, if these tunes quicken your blood and you find yourself saying, yeah, yeah, that's right, not one inch farther, motherfuckers, then I urge you, share this music with friends who need an insurrection injection right about now. Remember, when you're fighting psychological warfare, you need psychological defenses. Pride Before the Fall is like a a musical mithril shield of sanity against the hourly onslaught of, of lies and horror. I could go on, but really, just listen to the rest of the interview, grab yourself a copy of the album, and experience it for yourself, and then, hell, lace up your boots and go forth. We turn now in the bottom half of the show to more music and quite a bit of new music. We'll hear a track off Brandon Perry's new release, Night and Day, titled Across the Way. Details about him are pretty slim. Beyond the note, I I hope you like guitars in his press kit. Uh, He also runs Wandering Robot Studios in Austin, Texas, so if we have any listeners in that musical epicenter, maybe you can give us a shout and dox them a little for us. In a good way, though. We don't want to know about any sordid dirt you may uh, you may turn up on him. Uh, first, though, I am happy to report that just this week, just a couple of days ago, actually, uh, the good news showed up in my inbox that Tanya Gallagher has just dropped her second album, One Hand on My Heart. Now, if you listen to our American Roots music podcast, The Cornbread Cafe, you've enjoyed some of her just truly delectable songwriting and singing already in episodes number one and eight. Now, there's no reason that some of those tracks from the first album, uh, Virginia, wouldn't fit on Indecent Exposure, really, but with this album, I knew pretty much instantly that I had to spin a couple of songs here. Um, A native of the Florida Panhandle, Gallagher moved to Vancouver, B.C., where she got her Ph.D. in forestry. Now, we ran across her day... Now, we ran across that debut album right about the time that she was getting ready to move back down south. And how time flies, huh? Well, her time back home certainly seems to have been good for her. Um, the poetry of her new tunes are every bit as as masterful and uh, sometimes searing, sometimes touching. And some of them possess a clear-eyed edginess that suits her voice and guitar work really, really well. So let's have a listen right now to Dark Side off One Hand on My Heart from Tanya Gallagher. Tell them I'm on the dark side of the moon. 
just be honest if it's not something you want then just try to be a phone cause with my head high I will move on so darling do not waste my time I'm on a one way track on a westbound train but my heart's with the man from a midwest state and it's a game I always play and there's a room where these thoughts should stay I shall lock them up and keep them away but in that I can hear them calling my name to say the night's still young you're getting She's making penance while he plans her escape And she cries, cries to swallow the tears And she closes her eyes, but she's still just here And she says, I gotta get through this life And if you need me, I'll be on the dark side of the
across the way from Brandon Perry. And before that, Tanya Gallagher with Dark Side from her new album, One Hand on My Heart. We'll, we'll be hearing more from both artists, I can just about guarantee. In this next set, we'll be hearing from one of my very best discoveries of 2018, the Rad Trads, who bring us My Place from their 2018 release, On Tap. And I'll share some very exciting news for indie music lovers in the Northeast this week after I spin that track. Up next, though, we'll hear from Pilgrim Speakeasy, a band that seems like it may have gone into hibernation since their 2016 release, Freak Deco, billing themselves as, quote, the world's foremost eclecto-funk world rock electro-folk anomaly, um, end quote, Pilgrim Speakeasy hails from Finland and London and consists of Roger Rogue, Panu Melse on bass and ukulele, and Marcus Mulcahanen on drums and percussion. Doesn't say what Roger Rogue does. Hmm, I'll have to find out. Well, I think I've said it before. I would need a daily podcast to cover all the amazing new indie music that comes across my desk. But this band is really a delight that deserves to be heard. We'll start with the track Plan D from Freak Deco and see if we can't work in more tunes for them from them in upcoming episodes. Here it is, Plan D from Pilgrim Speakeasy. Oh, tight, 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 yeah!
out of my, my sleeping bag. Bring me some kind of herbal tea. Autumn's LP, On Tap, released through Hornblow Recordings, a label that might ring a bell if you're a fan of Moon Hooch, whom we've featured in the past at least once, maybe twice. As they describe their music, it's kind of rock and roll mixed with punk rock energy, horn-drenched soul, and jazz precision, all with a light-hearted but sincere delivery. I'd say that about sums it up. They explain in their bio that they met at New York University in 2012 as conservatory-trained instrumentalists looking to play with New York City's best musicians. Uh, The Rad Trads are twin brothers John on drums and vocals and Michael Fatum. Uh, Michael is on trumpet and vocals. Michael Harlan on bass and vocals. Alden Harris-McCoy on guitar and vocals. And Patrick Sargent on keys, saxophone, and vocals. They were, according to John Fatum, just, quote, a bunch of buds looking to play the bars and drink for free at the time, end quote, according to John Fatum. And why not? A bunch of young guys in New York City, jazz education, talented, of course you are. I I approve. Uh, The Rad Trads, he said, started off with a bastardized jazz repertoire that was modified on stage into whatever seemed to get the audience moving. And here's the great news. They're on tour promoting On Tap right now. And if you're in the Northeast, you have a few great chances to see them in mid-August. Now, I realize that this is a podcast and you may be listening to the show years from now. But for the sake of argument, let's say it's summer of 2019 at the moment. If you're listening much later than that, well, get your flux capacitor fixed, baby, and come back and join us. Uh, Now, the closest show to you folks in our local audience, is actually right at the edge of Greylock Nation in Athens, New York, which is just across the river from Hudson. Uh, Friday, August 16th, finds the Rad Trads at the gorgeous Athens Riverfront Park playing a free show. That's right, free. Just show up. Honestly, a town with a river of any real size at all that doesn't have a waterfront park is just missing the boat, right? Not to, you know, be punny or anything, but... It's, you know, you see what you can do with a gorgeous Riverside Park, and you're like, everybody's got to have one of these. Hell, the town should put in a river if they don't have one. Um, For a complete list of tour dates, links to their music, merch, and more, click the link in the show notes to get to the Rad Trads website. And for all you vinyl fans out there, like me, a limited edition blue LP is available. Ooh. And just an FYI, if you loved my place, I might just be playing another track or two in the next episode since I just happened to have an interview with the Red Trads on deck and ready to go. Perhaps those who may be among us tonight for the first time 
may be wondering what is going to happen now. I will tell them, before proceeding to the mysteries, which are only for the initiate, it is of course necessary for the minds and souls of us all to become purged and to be made clean. I'm therefore going to ask anyone here who is not in tune with us to submit to a very simple process of control. That's right, you sassy high priestess, you. It is just about time for a little attenuation. Maybe even some attenuation, too, actually. This next artist came up on our radar by a stroke of serendipity. As I was arranging to feature a track from Anna Stein on episode number 14 of the Cornbread Cafe, I made the acquaintance of Leah Corti. Together with her partner of eight years, Leonard Bremond, uh, they performed as the chamber folk duo Raccoon Raccoon. The French couple have racked up an amazing collection of singles and EPs since they began composing together just three years ago. Their music falls within the folk genre, for sure, but there's some indie alternative sensibilities that weave in and out and make them a perfect fit within the indecent exposure continuum. Now, I've got the title track to their second EP, Dawn Chorus, written in the heart of the Italian Alps and recorded in 2018 in Belgium with musicians from Brussels Philharmonic Orchestra Thomas Fiorini on double bass and Emile Verstraten on violins and mandolin. I believe Raccoon Raccoon is based out of Los Angeles, California these days, I think. But whether that's true or not, I haven't come across a tour schedule, so I'll have to shoot them an email and ask them if they have any dates coming up or if they're going to wait until the release of their upcoming new EP that should be out pretty soon. Um, I'd sure like to see them live, though. Maybe we can bring them on a, on an East Coast leg of the tour. Um, we'll wrap this episode up, finally, with Marty West, um, another indie folk artist who's really hard to shoehorn into a predefined subgenre. Born in Massa Martima, near Siena in Tuscany, the Italian-English songwriter spent his early years living in Italy, where he was first exposed to music through local opera performances in the town Piazza. In 2016, West released his debut EP, Istanbul, and embarked on a UK tour playing a string of venues across the south of England. He describes the songs as having been born out of an early exposure to the 1960s folk tradition, with strong vocal harmony at the forefront. In 2017, West left England, resettled in Gothenburg, Sweden, and released the singles Under the Weight and Feels Like Home, which he says resonate with the northern landscapes and minimalist aesthetic of Scandinavian lifestyle. In 2018, West's mini-album, Eight, uh, has steadily expanded his reach within the folk world, amassing over a half million streams to date. This week, West releases his latest single, Give Me Light, at once spare and sophisticated, this track has a classical measured restraint that swells and surges with an emotional oscillation that feels vulnerable and true. He says, quote, I wrote this song about an early love, a dichotomy of excitement for what could be, and fear of somehow losing it, unquote. A play of this track, Give Me Light, the day before it officially drops. But first, let's hear Dawn Chorus from Raccoon Raccoon. What's 
Is that not a perfect pair of indie tunes to end the show with? Absolutely delicious stuff. Well, thank you all for tuning in once again. You can do us a huge favor by subscribing through Apple Music, Google Play Music, uh, and by leaving us five-star reviews and ratings everywhere you go. Until next time, why not buy yourself some indecent music? You deserve it, and so do the artists. Stay safe, be good to each other, go easy on yourself. <laughs>